The Cincinnati Reds don't get out of the desert with a sweep, but hey, they still win the season series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And there are a couple of players who are going to miss this series now that it's over. We break down who those players are and look at a team in the National League, not named the Los Angeles Dodgers, who could make the World Series. That's all coming up on today's crossover edition of Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, who is away today. He'll be back on Friday when we break down some Reds candidates for the All-Star Game. And yes, it is plural more than one. Yeah. But I have been addicted to the Cincinnati Reds for my entire life. And I've turned that addiction into information for you as I'm in my fourth season podcasting about this team coming up on today's podcast. We are going to break down the Diamondbacks series with Miller Thomas from locked on Diamondbacks. As we look at a couple of guys who have absolutely flourished in these seven games and are going to miss facing each uh, the each other's team. And we're going to look at how the Reds approach the trade deadline and why it's going to be kind of surprising because of the people who are in charge. Also, the National League is looking like it's going to go through L.A., or is it? There's another team that I believe will make the World Series in the National League, and I'll give you who that is later on in today's episode. But let's get started. Let's break down this series where the Reds get some revenge on the Arizona Diamondbacks with Miller Thomas from Locked On Diamondbacks. Without further ado, the D-backs won the series finale against the Cincinnati Reds, but overall, they still lose two out of three to the Reds, and the Reds have owned the D-backs number all season, but it was kind of reversed last year. So let's actually bring on Locked On Reds host Jeff Carr to talk about it, because I think last season you felt like the D-backs were probably the biggest nemesis against the Cincinnati Reds. I think the D-backs swept the Reds last year in their season series, but this year, I mean, the Reds have taken two out of three in the first game, and now another two out of three, or what was it, three out of four the first time we played you guys, or something I honestly don't even remember the first series, but you guys have had the D-backs numbers all see. I like I've tried to erase these series out of the D-backs numbers <laughs> because I was thinking against the Cincinnati Reds, you know, a mediocre team. This is a team that really is not trying to win games. And the D-backs, they were looking competitive those first two months of the season. But whenever we play the Cincinnati Reds this year, I mean, you guys for some reason have our number, especially Tyler Motley. I mean, my goodness. Revenge is a dish best served colds. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that not that dramatic. No, it, I mean, a series split in Cincinnati 2-2, two and two, and then you go 2 out of 3 in the desert. It was nice to see. I was a little bit peeved, though, because that's the second time that a red starting pitcher has absolutely pitched a gym, and the lineup hasn't supported him at all. Like It was nice that the Reds ended up winning game two, but that entire night I was just like, can we score some flinging, flinging runs? Like, come on. I mean, he's pitching amazing. This was his third straight start in a row that he's pitched very good. Not, I mean, he hadn't done three straight, you know, complete game shutouts or anything like that, but he has pitched phenomenally well after having like a 7.0 ERA. Uh, I think it was up to like May 20 something. So it, it was a rough start to the season for Tyler Malley, but he's righted the ship. And then this last game, this, this game three, it just felt like the baseball gods had come together to conspire against the Reds and, Mm. Not let them win that game. There's a lot of hard hit balls that found gloves, but I'm going to tell you what, uh, Miller, when I look at this series, mm. my biggest takeaway is the fact that if it comes down to the Diamondbacks fielding, 
they're going to win the ball game because they got a great defense there behind their pitching staff. And if it comes down to the Reds defense, well, <sighs> yeah, the D-backs <laughs> defense, specifically their outfield, Alec Thomas. I mean, he's a rookie yeah. phenom. He's been called up, you know, he's been on the major league level for probably around five to six weeks now. And defensively what he's been able to do in center field really the last two to three weeks has been phenomenal. I mean, Dalton Varsho was the primary center fielder the last, you know, season plus um, before Alec Thomas got called up. And now Dalton Varsho looks like he's going to be the everyday right fielder just because Varsho has the athleticism to play center field, but the natural instincts that Alec Thomas has out there, I mean, the way he's able to track those fly balls down, I mean, he had the play, I think the defensive player of the week when he robbed that home run from Joey Votto in their <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in that most recent game um, not too long ago. So Alec Thomas in the defense has been great, but Tyler Molly, you mentioned, I mean, three straight starts where he's been great. Well, two of those came against the D-backs. His last start <laughs> he had was against the D-backs as well, and I think it's what, it's like, 15 innings now and 22 strikeouts for Tyler Miley because he went, um, what was it? Did he go nine innings last night against yep. the D-backs? And then he went six innings the game before that. So Tyler Miley has been dominant. But why is it only against the D-backs? I mean, the D-backs are terrible, <laughs> apparently, against hitting the fastball. And Tyler Miley, I counted 11 of his 12 strikeouts against the D-backs, came via the fastball last night. So why is that fastball only effective against the D-backs and not any other teams, it seems? I tell you what, there's something about that fastball. He added a lot of life to it this last year, and he really there was reports in spring training that he had added a cut fastball. Now it's not been as big of a factor as we thought it was going to be in spring training, but his four seam fastball still has a lot of run to it, and it's not straight. It's it's it kind of messes with hitters, and then he drops in that slider and the split change. So he's got a lot of pitches that just move around, and if he can tunnel them well like he was on Tuesday, then I, I, I don't know how major league hitters do it whenever pitchers are able to pitch that way. And Zach Gallen, to be honest with you, really seemed a lot like that on Wednesday's game. The first couple of innings almost looked like a struggle. I thought the Reds were going to put some runs on him. And then the Diamondbacks defense bailed him out, and then he settled in, and he was looking phenomenal there for like the next five innings. I mean, he went seven innings. That was a beautiful start for Zach Gallen overall. But I, I think that, you know, Tyler Malley, he might miss the Diamondbacks. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo is going to miss the Reds because yeah. I saw that he ain't done anything against anybody else, but the Reds come to town, and he turns into Ian Happ. I mean, Ian Happ's the same way yeah. for the Cubs. Like, he doesn't do anybody, anything against anybody. He hits like a million home runs against the Reds. So, Gerardo Podomo had a really good series. David Peralta with the dagger the other night. Or we thought it was going to be the dagger. But um, he, was, he was playing well in this series. So, it was a lot of fun to kind of watch these two teams. Like, I, I thought that, you know, the Reds played pesky. But you're right. They're not playing for anything. And, and the Diamondbacks, they've got such a hard division. If the Diamondbacks were in the NL Central, I think they'd be cooking with gas. But they get stuck in the West where it's just like, who can spend the most money? Yeah, and you think they would be cooking with gas, but the NL Central has been the toughest division for the D-backs so far this year because we mentioned against the Reds. That first series they tied, they just lost this most recent one. Uh, we lost the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Cubs have played us. I think we lost the first series against the Chicago Cubs as well. So the D-backs, I think, honestly, if you take out their record against the NL Central, they're probably a pretty well above 500 team because the NL Central has given the D-backs a lot of issues this year, which is pretty weird because more than half that 
division is not even trying when you look at the Pirates uh, <laughs> yeah. and Reds. Like those teams don't even want to win, so it is pretty interesting. But um, yeah, you mentioned David Peralta, Geraldo Perdomo. Those are probably the two MVPs in the finale because Peralta had that huge clutch hit last night in the eleventh inning that, like you said, we thought was going to be the dagger, and then he put the D backs up late in the finale. So um, he was really good. He's been clutch all season. Perdomo, he's starting to break out a little bit. I'm hope I'm hoping he's getting that confidence now that we know that Nick Ahmed is going to be on the sixty day injured list. He could potentially be out the rest of the season, hoping that just a, a, a spot inspires a little life into Perdomo because it, from you know a defensive standpoint, he basically looks like Nick Ahmed. You just hope his offensive ability is way better than Nick Ahmed's because Nick Ahmed was an offensive liability for a while. So hopefully um, Perdomo can get better in that area. But one guy that really impressed me from the Cincinnati Reds team all series was Brandon Drury, who hit multiple home runs this series. <sighs> a former D-backs prospect. And when you kind of look at his career, like he had a pretty nice start to his career with Arizona. And then after that, it just kind of has been a lot of bouncing around Major League Baseball, not really able to find a home. It's like he's on a new team every year. He doesn't really get a full season of opportunity, whether that's injury or someone just looks him at more of a platoon player than an everyday player. And then he signs with the Cincinnati Reds who are like, hey, we're just trying to unload anyone of quality talent. We're just going to sign the cheapest players on the market. And little did they know they might have found it, you know, potential all-star guy in Brandon Drury who is still only like 29 years old this is not a guy who's 35 years old having late career success like this is low-key a guy who could still be a foundation piece for the Cincinnati Reds team moving forward he has Reds fans thinking of a couple of different names they're thinking of Derek Dietrich and they're thinking of Scooter Jeanette a couple of guys who came to the Reds with very little pomp and circumstance they were you know either major league minimum signings or waiver claims or things like that. And then all of a sudden they blow up. I mean, Brandon Drury has probably been the Reds best hitter outside of Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson's had a heck of a year. It's just, you know, he's out for a while now with a broken thumb. When you look at Brandon Drury though, I think that uh, my, my co-host Steven Offenbaker, he had it exactly right when he said that Brandon Drury is the position version of Dan Straley. Dan Straley is a pitcher that the Reds got, I want to say it was like five, six years ago. It's funny because like you think of a time and you're like, oh, it was yesterday. No, it was four years ago. That's about where Dan Straley was. But there was no expectations for him, and he ended up leading the team in pitching, and they flipped him at the deadline for a dude named Luis Castillo. And I think that they might be able to do that. If, if Nick Kroll is savvy enough, and this will be a huge test for him because up until this point, I don't see any sort of thing that will indicate he could do this, but he could flip Brandon Drury for the kind of future prospect that, you know, maybe he turns into a Luis Castillo, or maybe he just turns into a nice depth piece for a major league franchise that's trying to win in a couple of years. But Drury has really just absolutely got, I'm going to start making the case on Friday that he should be an all-star. And it's mm. hilarious to think when he came out of nowhere and whenever the Reds added him, I'm just like, who's this guy? All right, whatever. He's on the roster. Sure. Yeah, that would be crazy if Brandon Drury turned into an all-star. And I think the point you're making about um, the Reds maybe unloading these guys like Brandon Drury and Luis Castillo, because that's when I, that's why I want to ask you next, Jeff, um, what do you think this Reds team could do at the MLB trade, uh, trade deadline, whether you think they're going to be sellers or not? Because we've heard a lot of rumors about Luis Castillo, maybe to the Yankees or any of these other World Series teams. So I want to get your opinion about that. But before we get there, Jeff, have you heard about this new little thing called Sports Card Investor? Oh, yeah, Miller. This thing is 
awesome. I love me some baseball cards and it gives me all the values, all of the market trends when you're talking about top players and things like that is a lot of fun to check out and to see what kind of action you can get. Maybe you can get a cheap deal on a guy who's had a struggling couple of weeks, but you know, he's going to be a stud coming up. Like just a lot of great stuff on this app that you can check out for some great baseball card stuff. Yeah, let me tell the listeners real quick, because welcome to the world of sports cards reimagined. The sports card investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in Google Play and Apple App Stores. The sports card investor app is a must-have for baseball fans. It's completely free, like I mentioned. Easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport. Check the latest values of your favorite cards with 7-day or 30-day charts. Find the best prices and buy directly through the app with our eBay deals feature. So this sports card app is absolutely phenomenal. Download the Sports Card Investor app today, available for free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, or, or just go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. And we have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about the listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long. And everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. Now, we got Jeff Carr of Locked on Reds here because the Reds just beat down the D-backs in a series. The D-backs were able to win the finale, but the first two games of the series did not go the D-backs way. But I do kind of want to ask because they shouldn't be winning games like this, Jeff. Like the, the Reds should be trying to lose every game. We saw what they did during the offseason when they unloaded so much talent from Amir Garrett to just basically letting Wade Miley go, who was arguably their best pitcher last season, um, trading the winkers of the world. Like, you know, the whole deal, you're the lockdown Reds guy, you know? So what, tell me and us D-backs listeners, what is the direction of this franchise? Are they going to be sellers at the deadline? Are they going to be moving off the Luis Castillo's and the Brandon juries? Like you mentioned the Tyler Motley's, or are they like, you know what? We're having maybe a better season than we might have even anticipated. We found some, un you know, uh, hidden gems with the Brandon juries of the world and maybe if we could find a couple more guys like that maybe we get a little bit aggressive at the deadline try to add some talent to this roster maybe not to compete this year but at least get that foundation going for the next couple of years it's crazy to think because the reds were a competitive team last year they were just out of the playoff spot and if the extra wild card spot would have been enacted last year they would have made the playoffs so the fact that they were just like nah we don't want to pay anybody anymore and they gave away away miley they gave away tucker barnhart they gave away i mean they didn't give away jesse winker and eugenio suarez but it was still just a shock to the system whenever they made those trades you're thinking okay all right selling off the rebuilding but then they traded for Mike Miner, who has a nine and a half million dollar contract. And then they signed Tommy Pham to a nine million dollar contract. And it was like, okay, what are you doing? Like, you basically just spent the money that you got rid of. Like, what mm -hmm. is the point here? What are we doing? And reports came out from one of the Reds beat writers, Charlie Goldsmith, the other day that the Reds front office is attacking the trade deadline as an opportunistic seller, not mm -hmm. as 
a Cubs team from last year that just got rid of everybody. Not as, you know, the, the Astros, whatever, six, seven years ago, whenever they tore everything down and rebuilt it. They're saying, no, we want to remain competitive while still retooling. Now, part of that is at least understandable. They've got a lot of guys that are coming through the minor leagues that should be up here in the next two years that really have this team looking tantalizing for 2024. The other thing that's really annoying, though, about that, Millard, is that ever since this ownership group that took over, the Castellini group, and then there's like 16 other guys that are part of this, but the Castellinis are the majority owners, they've never gone all in on one direction. It's always been like, all right, we're really close to competing. This is what we need. If we get this, we're going to win. Uh, that costs too much. We're not going to do that. Or, all right, there's no chance. We're not competing. We're not making the playoffs. All right, we'll trade off three guys. Well, what about the others? No, 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 no. We need them because if we don't have them, then people don't come to the ballpark. I, I, I wish they would pick a direction, but it's very evident that ownership meddles and ownership changes its minds. And we never see one plan go for very long. So whatever the plan is today might very well change by the end of the trade deadline, which is randomly August 2nd this year. I was reading that. I was just assuming it was July 31st and it's like August 2nd or something like that. But, um, I don't expect the reds to trade anybody, which is a hilarious thing to say, because it seems pretty obvious they should trade Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley. Yeah. So who is steering this ship of owners meddling too much? Is it you know, the owner's kind of the one directing all these trades and signings. Does the GM really have any power there? Like, I don't even know who the Reds GM is and how long <laughs> have they even been there? Because I'm not too sure. Like, I that that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me just as an outside observer because they just seem to let go of so much talent this offseason. And I know you got to replace some of that talent. So it kind of makes sense why you still go out there and get the Mike Miners and stuff. But I think it would have made more sense just to keep the talent you had last year and then add the Mike Miners and Tommy Pham who are not on crazy contract. So you, you could at least build off the almost playoff season you had last year and then maybe right. actually make the postseason this year like i don't understand why the reds try to retool i guess like do they feel like the players that they had last season like just didn't work with the franchise like what is the reds philosophy when it comes or is there just no philosophy in that franchise honestly i'd love to say that there is one um but I'm not sure when you're talking about the guy that's pulling the strings, it's definitely the ownership. And and I don't necessarily know that it's Bob Castellini anymore. I think it's moving more toward his son, Phil Castellini, who has become ultra famous in the city of Cincinnati for telling everybody on the home opener day, uh, where else are you going to go? And there, there's just so much crap that came out of that. But it's very evident to me because I spend my entire life watching the Reds. I don't know why I chose to do this. This is what happened. This life chose me. You know how it goes. Yeah. But when, when I watch this Reds team, it is evident to me that Nick Crawl became the general manager because he carries out the wishes of ownership. The guy who was there before, Dick Williams, thought for himself, fended off ownership and kept the door shut while he tried to build a team over here with his other hand. And he just got tired of holding both, you know, trying to help hold everything up and balance all of the different acts and stuff like that. So he stepped away. And whenever Nick Crawl took over, he started chopping. And by chopping, I mean chopping payroll not trading away and getting big name prospects. It's very evident to me that the Reds had, okay, we're going to get rid of payroll and we're going to figure out the rest later because this team has had major holes for the last two years that they just refuse to address. And they just say, well, 
our, our solution is in house. Yeah, we're fine. We're good. When Tyler Stevenson went out, went down, you had Armas Garcia get bumped up to catcher number one. And then they bumped up Chris O'Kee, who made his major league debut. And you saw the other night in extra innings, how good he was at blocking Luis Sessa's low slider. That's Luis Sessa's bread and butter. It's not as if Sessa was wild. It's because the catcher behind the plate wasn't able to block it. So there's so much that I look at and I just say the evidence is clear. Ownership runs this team. The front office takes its marching orders and does what they tell them to do. And because of that, it is very hard to predict exactly what this Reds team might do because they could trade Luis Castillo one day and then go out and acquire some kind of veteran player in some position the next. It sounds like the Reds maybe need to be in a market for new ownership if they're meddling that much and just are kind of hamstringing, you know, this team. And the yeah. best place to look for new employees is LinkedIn Jobs, Jeff. That's the best place to go because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, I don't think the Reds are a small business. They're probably a billion dollar franchise, but LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and, and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire and interview. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Also, you need to head to Built.com if you want to get your hands on some Built Bars because Built Bars are absolutely delicious. And the reason why I love them is because I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to work out every day, but my biggest issue is I have a sweet tooth. I love to eat candy. I love to eat junk food, but it's okay because Built Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for that keto diet. And right now, they got these things called Puff Bars, which are delicious filled with marshmallow protein infused as well. Just fluffy, delicious, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew like all Built Bars. And if you want to get your hands on some Built Bars of your own, just go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, still here with Jeff Carr of Locked on Reds. And Jeff, before we get into more overall baseball talk, I also just want to ask you a quick question about Joey Votto, just because uh, I've kind of joked with Sully Baseball about, you know, what, what, what happened last year where he had this phenomenal season after a couple years of not really tapping to that power. He had a, just a huge season last year, 900 OPS, 30-plus bombs, and then Votto's back to being, you know, kind of not so good this year. So what happened last year, Votto? How did he have this phenomenal season? Now he's kind of back to just looking like an old, you know, old washed-up star almost. I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but it doesn't look like the Votto. 
No, and and a lot of it here recently has just kind of been unlucky. He's still hitting the ball. He's got a very mm-hmm. nice exit velocity, average exit velocity, and things like that. This the numbers haven't come really along with him, but I'm thinking they're going to pick it up here. I think when he comes home against the Brewers this weekend, mm-hmm. it's all going to start to pick up. But when I look at Joey Votto last year, honestly, and this is going to sound almost like a cop out answer, but I think Joey Votto is good enough that he literally just woke up one day and said, I'm going to be a power hitter again because he had gotten to the point in 2000 and really 18, 18 was not that great, but not that terrible. And then 2019 got worse and 2020 was really bad. Yeah. He got into a point where he just didn't want to strike out. He has this otherworldly understanding of the strike zone. And so he's very good at knowing when not to swing and chase pitches outside of the zone. But he had gotten to that point to almost where every single swing was a defensive, choppy little swing that, okay, you make contact, you're going to get a single, but that's really all you're going to get. And then he had a nice high on base percentage, but his slugging percentage was really low. And so he just woke up one day and he's like, I'm going to stop that. I'm just going to hit home runs. I'm just going to hit dingers. And that is where Botto still bangs uh. came into play because he's like, yeah, I just, you know, I just want to bang. And he bangs. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like a little needle action. I didn't know what was going on. With <laughs> I had to ask the question, Jeff. I was like, uh, a couple of years, no power. All of a sudden, age 38, my man's got the power back. And then you look at this year, it's gone again. So I don't know. I uh, Maybe he was hanging out with Nelson Cruz during the offseason. I don't know what Joey Votto was doing, so I just yeah. had to ask the question. But I think that's enough D-backs Reds talk I want to have. I mean, the, 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 both those teams, I mean, the D-backs are looking a little bit more competitive than the Reds, and I'm still holding out hope that we have a good summer and maybe we get back in the wild card race. Your Cincinnati Reds, Jeff, uh, I, I think your your season's going to be over. Uh, it, it's ending pretty it's soon. Over. It's yeah. already over. <laughs> it's a, it, it was over once opening day uh, that first pitch was thrown. But I do want to ask you, since both our teams are probably not going to be in the World Series, what non-Dodgers team, because I think the Dodgers are probably still, I mean, even if you don't think they're they look like the best team right now still on paper i think they're still probably most people's picks to at least make it to the world series if we actually got to you know put the gun to your head who you picking out the nl i think most people still choose the dodgers so of the non-dodgers teams in the national league who has impressed you the most who do you think has the most world series equity i'll let you go the new york mets I, i think that they are the most complete team and especially if Edwin Diaz can stay healthy because with Edwin Diaz, that bullpen has a very nice hierarchy. I think Edwin Diaz is one of like the few, maybe three bona fide closers that are left in this league. I mean, there's guys that get the label closer and there's guys that are the best bullpen arm on their team, but there's not the bona fide closer like you have with Edwin Diaz. And I think that it's like him and Josh Hader. Yeah. I was who I was thinking. I was like, who else is that? Yeah, like, like a few years ago, he's kind of washed now. Jansen a few years ago, but not too many guys. And you yeah, can like maybe, you said. yeah, I mean, you can maybe make an argument for uh, Jansen, but I think that he's not even the closer on his own team. So I, I think that that's over. Overall, though, as long as he stays healthy and as long as that lineup continues to produce as just ridiculously as they have done, I think that the Mets have a real shot. I think we could be talking about a Subway series for this mm. World Series. Who, who you thinking? Who you thinking? Yeah, I think the Subway Series. Now, let me just ask you real quick before I tell you um, my uh, who I think it is. Okay. How do you feel overall about a Subway Series? Because I was kind of going back and forth 
uh, with Salt Lake Baseball about this because I feel like he thought it would be good for Major League Baseball, but I was like, I don't know. Would Major League Baseball fans just care about New York series? Like, would you know, D-backs fans, Dodgers fans, all these NOS teams, like, do they actually care if it's New York Mets versus New York Yankees? Like, that's a lot of East Coast bias there. I'm not sure if the overall baseball attention, like, I think it would be cool, but I'm also from New Jersey, so I feel like I'm biased. There's a very thin line between love and hate. And I think okay. that for polite. everyone who loves the Yankees, there's a lot more people that hate the Yankees mm-hmm. and they just want to see them lose. And if they make the World Series, there's going to be a lot of people that hate watch the World Series just to see the Mets beat them. And especially with all the, you know, the unfortunate history of the Mets and all of the unluckiness. Like, I mean, one of our one of our great colleagues at Locked On, Allie Bronson, she's a huge Mets fan, and she continues to tell me it's not happening. The Mets aren't doing anything because they haven't done anything my entire life. And you're not getting my hopes up. And I'm like, Alley, they're the best team in the National League. I think they're better than the Dodgers. I really do, and I think that they will. I think that they will make Snip the World it. Series. But yeah, Snip it. Mets better than the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean the Mets Snip are probably uh, my choice if we're non-Dodgers team, just because I looked at that freaking rotation. It's like they've lost their yeah. top three to four starters, and they still have a rotation that's one of the best in the National <laughs> League. Like, how do you lose Degrom, Scherzer, and oh, uh, Tyler McGill has been out for a while? And you still have Carrasco. You still got some um, – I'm forgetting some other guys, but they still got pretty great rotation. Um, yeah. Oh, Chris Bassett they still got. He's looked nope. like a freaking all-star as well. So when you still have uh, – Taiwan Walker was an actual all-star last year, and he's like their f- fifth, sixth starter. Like it's inc- it's crazy how it's embarrassing. Is. Yeah, it's like, actually – In a good way. In a good yeah. way, it's embarrassing. It's like you look around the rest of the league, and you're like, how are these guys all right here like why did no one else take any of them I, I i don't know but i know that chris bassett man he has got to be really happy that he's in new york and not in uh, the bay area yeah anymore. that's why i don't get mad at uh the dodgers for signing freddie freeman because i felt like anyone could have had freddie freeman if they just met his demands and the dodgers were the only ones like hey you want seven years at whatever price you want here you go you're one the, you're arguably the best first baseman in baseball we'll just give you that contract and we'll just add you to our super house um superpower team already and most major league baseball teams they didn't want to go to the seven years or whatever the reason was for Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers were. So now they have him. So that's why I'm like, you can't really blame the Dodgers too much for getting Freddie Freeman because he was there for anyone. The Braves said, uh, we don't want to go that length of the deal, even though there's probably more there than what's uh, being let out to the public. But the subway series, I think would be interesting. Like you said, the Yankees are probably the most, next to the Dodgers, the most polarizing team in baseball. So I think a lot of people would hate watch them, like you said. For the Mets, I think a lot of people would just be like, okay, how the Mets are, how are they going to F this up and really screw themselves out of a World Series? But them together, I don't know if it will get the ratings that we might expect. If it was like Yankees, Dodgers, or Mets, you know, whoever from the American League, like Mets, Blue Jays, I think that would be pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. I do agree that the Mets are probably the best non-Dodgers team going forward but are there any National League teams who might have started slow like the Phillies or the Braves who you might have your eye on to uh you know maybe make a a postseason run once they get there I definitely think the Braves have a shot although they they showed why even though they're in the middle of a 13 game winning streak they still are flawed and it's just health. Like, I mean, and it's unfortunate because that's a really dumb way to analyze any team. It's just like, well, if they're not healthy, but if Ozzy Albies is going to miss significant time, 
that's going to be a huge blow to that team. Now they got Acuna back, which is huge, but how healthy can they stay without Acuna last year? They won the world series. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a strange argument for me to make, but I still look at them and I say, you know, they could be very interesting if they get Albies back. I think that the other team in the national league that you got to look at, and I really hate to admit this because mm. God, God knows I don't like this team, but <laughs> the St. Louis Cardinals, I ah. mean, God, they, they are put together so well when you look at their starting rotation, their lineup, their bullpen is pretty decent too. Overall, they are a very solid team. Do they come out of the NL Central as the champions? That's a possibility. They lead the division right now. And I think that Milwaukee was just super beneficial of crazy health last year. That's not something that they've enjoyed this year. So overall, I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that the National League still goes through New York. And L.A., I think that's the ultimate NLCS. But I definitely think that uh, there's going to be some interesting teams there. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you, Jeff. You probably cut out those last three minutes because my Wi-Fi dropped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I don't think okay. I probably got you on those last three minutes. But either way, I know you made a fantastic point, Jeff. You're, you're a well-read <laughs> guy. You watch a lot of baseball. So no matter what you said, I'm sure you still got it on your end. So maybe you could send me your half of the audio. Maybe it'll be sent over to me. But real quick before we go, because you're talking about the Cardinals, I want to just bring up who their best player is because their best player right now is Paul Goldschmidt, who is absolutely tearing up the National League. And we know what team he came from, the Arizona Diamondbacks. When you look at that Paul Goldschmidt trade, I've talked about it a bunch the last couple of weeks because Paul Goldschmidt has been on a tear. Meanwhile, the guys that we got back in that Goldschmidt trade, Luke Weaver, he just came back off the 60-day injury list. He has not looked good since 2019. Carson Kelly. He's batting, I think, like 100 on the season. He just came back off the injured list um, pretty too, uh, pretty uh, not too long ago as well. So I look at this Paul Goldschmidt deal. The, the Cardinals basically bent us over a barrel and are just smacking our booty because they have dominated that trade. And I just want to ask you, Jeff, like when you look at that Jesse Winker trade and, you know, potentially this Luis Castillo trade, like how does that make you feel as just a baseball fan trading away a better player for potentially prospects? Because my overall philosophy is never give up your star player for prospects. Prospects are the biggest gamble, I think, in major league and sports in general. I think it's a bigger gamble than NFL draft picks or NBA draft picks because these, even when you think you're getting a blue chipper back, these guys are so volatile. It, if you just look at these, you know, the biggest trades over the last 10 years in Major League Baseball involving superstar trades, usually the team that gets back the prospects lose that deal nine times out of 10. Those prospects usually end up not being much, even when you get back multiple top 100 guys like the Marlins did when they traded, you know, Stanton or Yelich and they got back the Luis Brinson's. Like those deals typically don't work out. So, what is your philosophy when it comes to trading? all-star plus players like you know potentially Luis Castillo because I always think you should just exhaust all your options try to keep them on your team as long as possible and if they're like 35 and they're trying to get a seven-year deal yeah then maybe trade them in the last year of their contract but outside of that like a guy like Ketel Marte who is 28 years old and absolutely balling for the D-backs I was like we better not freaking trade him I don't care how bad the D-backs are the next five years if you ever want to get better you need guys like Ketel Marte on your roster yeah, that's it's such a weird thought process because I with you. I I don't think that trading a superstar for a bunch of prospects works out. I mean, the Reds and, and you can blame the front office on this one that made the deals because they weren't all necessarily good. And even the trade that looked good at the time, they traded Johnny Cueto to the Royals for John Lamb, um, Cody Reed, and Brandon Finnegan. 
and none of those guys are currently on the team. One guy was out of Major League Baseball in like two years after that trade. But at the time, they said the Reds won that deal. Every other deal that they made, they said that the Reds lost pretty much immediately after they made that trade, and they were right because none of them panned out. I look at the deals that the Reds made that really panned out. It was um, Alfredo Simon for Eugenio Suarez Mm -hmm. that it was like, yeah, how'd that how'd that happen? I mean, they got one of the best players that they've had in a long time, and they traded a dude who had a breakout season, no doubt, but they got him for next to nothing when you look at what Alfredo Simon did with the Tigers after he made that deal. And then you had Dan Straley for Luis Castillo. Dan Straley was fine as a Marlin, but yeah, overall, the, the prospect you know, for every and, and the perfect example, because, you know, Bob Nightingale always likes to remind the Pirates that they made this trade for every Chris Archer to Tampa Bay for mm-hmm. um, or for every Chris Archer from Tampa Bay to Pittsburgh for Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows and um, forget the last guy, but he was big, too, um, for for those trades that just absolutely work out on the prospect. end, there is nine hundred other trades. So. I feel like small market teams always say we build from within, but I also feel like they don't necessarily understand how to trade for prospects simply because it's so hard to prognosticate a prospect. Yeah. And the Rays are an outlier. I mean, I don't think anyone has a better understanding (laughs) of farm systems than the Rays because not only do they have a great understanding of their farm system, they also know your farm system better than anyone else. So when they're trading Chris Archer for three of your prospects, like they know those guys are going to work out because they already scouted them and then they're going to be put in Tampa Bay's organization, which just continues to put out all star player after an all star player. And they weren't afraid to trade someone like Will Myers um, way back when, who I think to the probably the Padres at the time. So the Rays, whenever whenever a trade is involving the Rays, usually the team that's trading with the Rays usually loses that deal because the Rays are a really smart organization. And I think if you're trying to trade for Chris Archer, you probably shouldn't give up your best prospects. You should probably only give up your best prospects in deals for superstars. I think if I was a GM, I would go after all these quality players who are not all-star level guys like the Eduardo Escobars. Those guys are just like dirt cheap on the major league um market uh pretty much like those guys from oakland you could probably get frankie montez for like pretty much nothing like the bassets of the world like those guys didn't go for um crazy amounts as well like even a guy like nolan arenado who's a bona fide star he that, that deal was crazy <laughs> like if i was a gm i would just put i would just ask for every good player on every major league roster and see what i could get back because i think a lot mm-hmm. of these gms would be surprised it doesn't take a lot to get um some of these high quality players off other teams rosters so that's my yeah, we, yeah that, you go what you guys say Jeff. I was gonna say yeah we can ask Paul Holden how uh, he feels about that Nolan Arenado deal I'm pretty sure that would be an entire podcast worth of an answer <laughs> yeah I mean that that might be the all-time uh, biggest disaster there's not too many opportunities where it's like a win-win or the team that gets the prospects back uh win the deal but um a, a trade like I bring it up all the time like the Chris Sale trade that might have been a win-win for both sides because the Red Sox yeah, get a World Series White yeah. yeah White Sox get Cole Petrie looks like a beast now they also got Mankata but those are pretty rare uh pretty rare where it's a win-win on both sides and the red sox still got world series out of it so you'll probably say they came out more on top it's not like the white Sox. i mean they're they might fire their manager before the season ends so i don't know how good their season is going but that that's that's enough d-backs versus reds talk um for today thank you jeff of locked on reds for hopping on to uh today's pod um where can where can the listeners find you jeff where can they find you on social media yeah, you got me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can also follow the show at Locked On Reds. We're on all platforms, just like Locked On Diamondbacks, including YouTube. 
Yeah, I had to recheck uh, your Twitter handle when I was putting it into this graphic. I was like, is that three Fs? I thought my yeah. mind uh, or my eyes were playing a trick on me. Would let me have two. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure that one was thank you. Uh, taken. Thank you, Jeff Carr of Locked On and Reds for hopping on the pod today and giving me your time. And I'm hoping uh, maybe Vado, hey, maybe he needs to go see Alex Rodriguez. He, he's a, you know, he's got a lot of time on his hands right now. Maybe he needs oh, yeah. to go see a little biogenesis, maybe get back to last year's power. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe that's what, um, he, well, if he wants to increase his trade value for the deadline, maybe you could get something back, a blue chipper, yeah. Jeff. We'll see. Always enjoyable to get to talk to Millard, but that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Reds and Lockdown Diamondbacks, your first listen. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB, as Sully has you covered on all things Major League Baseball past and present with his unique perspective. Lockdown MLB is just like Lockdown Reds, free and available on all platforms. On tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Reds, Steve and myself will break down the Two guys, actually there might be more than two, but definitely two guys that the Reds have who could make all-star cases. Yes, I said more than one. That's coming up on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds because we are Lockdown Reds every single day, no matter if the Reds have an off day or not.